You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Right, Roger Edwards. This is episode 39. We have reviewed our fair share of movies. We've covered all genres from horror to action to thriller to intrigue. But this is, I'm pretty sure, the very first courtroom drama that we're going to talk about. Yeah, a few good men. So it is courtroom drama. I guess technically it's court martial room Mm. uh, drama, isn't it? Because the characters are in the Navy and the, and the Marine Corps. Um, but a, a relatively old film now. I mean, when we decided to do this film, Pascal, I mean, it's one of the one of my favourite courtroom films of all time, one of my favourite films of all time, full stop. And then I was really quite shocked to discover that it was actually released in 1992. I just couldn't believe it was as old as that. So a relatively early performance for Tom Cruise. Well, well, indeed, and and like you, when I did the research and uh, I remember the movie so well, it feels it was more recent, Uh, but also, Mm -hmm. of course, it was more the memory of, I used to own the movie on VHS cassette, which is always a very strong game. That was a long time ago, and and somehow never did replace it to a DVD or even Blu-ray. So, in fact, the last time I would have watched the movie would have been late 90s before I had to let go painfully with much tears mm-hmm. uh, my, my VHS collection had to be either given away or or thrown away because I had to make room for DVDs and the, and the rest but the movie just left certain impression which has been the case for most people I'd imagine including critics yeah I mean again it's one of those movies that is just full of quotable lines I mean there are so many quotable lines I, I often think I could probably recite the entire film myself um and and actually even though tom cruise is the headline we've also got jack nicholson in there and and i mean his part he's he, out of a two and a two and a bit hour running time jack nicholson's probably only in it for a maximum of 20 minutes i would say but my goodness doesn't he dominate 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 the 20 minutes that he's in similarly you've got demi moore big star in those days kevin pollock Kevin Bacon, Keith Sutherland, massive, massive stars now, but none of them get to over, you know, to to swamp the film and take it over as their their own. It's definitely an ensemble. Um, And and in fact, you know, ultimately, um, Tom Cruise's character doesn't have that much dialogue either. That's fascinating. And, And we've got, therefore, to celebrate the work of both, firstly, the writer to begin with and then the director now i did not know this until i kind of quickly did some research for um today that this was based on the play yes it is and i didn't know the play was based on real events yes it is (laughs) so yeah (laughs) and and i think i mean uh without giving the plot away too much but uh in the end of the film 
the two guys who are accused of murder. The the the, uh, the the whole point of the film is that they uh, they do get convicted of conduct unbecoming a Marine Corps officer, uh, and therefore they get dishonorably discharged. Now, apparently, the story, the real story upon which the film was based the, and the play was based, the the equivalent person who was accused of murder and then didn't get convicted of murder didn't get dishonorably discharged he was reinstated within the marine corps and apparently that individual was quite annoyed by the way the film portrayed his character right well it makes sense but but equally you know it had to be a work of fiction of course the um so the writer Aaron arkin um worked obviously though i think that was probably his first transition from play as in stage to to screen, but then if you look at what he did afterwards, I think clearly he has a knack for things. So he did the American President with um, Michael Douglas, The West yep. Wing, and of course later on the Social Network, directed by David Fincher. So obviously he, he kind of loves this idea of an institution that you know is all about covering up. And, and Jack Nicholson, I think, yeah, what a force! Um, it's been quite interesting to be on set with him. Um, suggesting that you know an older figure with authority who basically um, doesn't care much about the truth. I mean, obviously this is fiction. That would never happen in real life, really, uh, <laughs> Roger. But your point about you know the, the different characters, the way in which Rob Reiner made sure that this was not a Tom Cruise vehicle, this was not a Jack Nicholson movie. It, it, everybody, even the supporting cast, when they were on screen and when they were the dialogue, it was just compelling. And the two hour, 20 minutes just goes by so quickly. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those films where they uh, they have taken hours and hours and hours and hours and hours over each particular line of dialogue. And there isn't a piece of dialogue in there that doesn't advance the plot, doesn't point towards one of the arguments they're making in court. Every single line is absolute perfection. Uh, and, and I think that is... That is probably why none of the characters gets that spotlight. Now, Jack Nicholson, obviously, tour de force, as you've said, I think his performance in this film is he's, he's scary as well. You know, that bit early in the film where he goes, of course you can have the report, but you've got to ask me nicely. You know, and all of a sudden they bring the music in and, and they do the close-up on his face. And then the camera zooms out to Tom Cruise and, and Tom Cruise genuinely suddenly looks like a 15-year-old boy because Jack Nicholson is so scary in that moment. But I've also read people who think, nah, he, he, was, he, was, he was just hamming it up. He was chewing the sea, scenery. Uh, it was just a, a ham-fisted um, performance. But to me, again, in that last sequence, you know where he's, uh, you know, Santiago's death is, tragic but it probably saved lives mm. he's just oh and then he's got you can't handle the truth and i all of that stuff at the end is just edge of the seat stuff and you know i'm all i always hold my breath during that scene even though i've seen it about 30 odd times but you know for a fact that the dialogue inspired by statements that people like you know the character of Colonel. It's a Colonel uh, Jessup. Jessup, from memory, yeah. yeah. Play about Jack Nicholson. You just know that this what that generation was all about. That's how they spoke. I mean, the way he's so dismissive of Demi Moore when the the first encounter, and when he discovers that God forbid Demi Moore is actually superior in rank to the character of Tom Cruise, and 
And Jack Nicholson's character can't even cope with it and just laughs it off, thinking, well, it's just nonsense that we have to put up with right now, but I'm not going to go with it. And I think this is also about generation. This is about, you know, the the changing of times and, and new values that the movie is capturing. But yeah. for 1992, I think it was uh, it was ahead of the time in terms of exploring what was was around the corner. Yeah, and, and a couple of things as well. It 1992, you know, before mobile phones, before you know, digital technology, and yet when I watch the film, I don't feel as if it's dated. Maybe it's because it's mainly set in a courtroom, and therefore it doesn't rely upon digital technology and you know okay they do fly down to Guantanamo Bay a couple of times Mm. and and there are a few scenes in people's apartments as they're preparing their defenses but you don't feel as if it's a film that is old because it hasn't got the tech in it because it doesn't rely on tech anyway and I think that's quite fascinating and another thing which I think you would have expected a film like this with the tension between Tom Cruise and Demi Moore, that at some point in the film, they'd have got together. And I remember when I watched it the first time and she comes and she invites him to go out and they go out to a seafood restaurant, you just thought, he's obviously going to fall into bed with her and there's going to be a you know a rampant scene and then it'll get back to the plot. And, and actually kudos to the writers for not doing that. And again, that was just, oh, Demi Moore and um, Tom Cruise don't get it on. Well, wow, you will have like even, even more respect <laughs> with the writer and the director when you hear that they were under pressure to make Demi Moore fall for Tom Cruise, uh, and and they basically push back and push back and push back, and yeah. the, uh, to the point where the financiers, who clearly have no idea how to make movies, they just have their money, say, "Well, what is the point of having Demi Moore then if she's not going to get a kit off?" And you kind of go, <laughs> "Do you know what?" Um, Apart from deserving probably a punch in the face by either Tom Cruise or Jack Nicholson on both, you know, just leave us do what we do best because it wouldn't advance the story. Um, can we quickly also mention Kevin Pollack, who yes. I, I absolutely adore. Whatever he does, I think he does it well. Uh, I, I mean, I suppose you could say that to all of them from J.T. Walsh, I actually like as well, as well as Cuba Gooding Jr., of course. Yes, yes. I mean, Kevin Pollock's got quite a restrained role, hasn't he? Mm. He's the he's the straight man, I guess, and the, the voice of reason. That's right. Uh, yeah, interesting to see Cuba Gooding Jr. I, I recently saw Cuba Gooding Jr. in a, a film which has only been made in the last few years and obviously is, is, a, is considerably older now. And I, I said to my wife, is that Cooper Gooding Jr.? Oh, yeah, so it is, yeah. So yeah. Look, such a great cast. Great actor. And, of course, they'll work, Tom Cruise and Cooper Gooding Jr. will work again years later on Jerry Maguire. But, um, mm-hmm. So this movie was released at a very strange time. I wanted to get your reaction on that, Roger. This movie was released um, in December Mm-hmm. of 91 in the US and then it kind of went its course and was released in January, the 1st of January 92 in the UK. Actually, the premiere was in Manchester at the old Odeon. And I'm thinking, that's interesting. That's not exactly a Christmas movie. That's not exactly no. you know, <laughs> the right time. Was it just simply what they had to do or was there some kind of marketing angle in there which escapes me? I don't know. I mean, you never, ever, ever, ever hear people having the old Christmas movie argument about few good men, do you? I mean, (laughs) it's uh, like, oh, it's definitely a Christmas movie because um, he's eating an apple or something like that. But uh, like you do with Die Hard, you know, that's an an age-old argument. But I I didn't even know that, Pascal. I I would have said if you'd have asked me that it came out in the summer. 
No, no, I remember going to the movies to see it, of course, because you're yeah. right, the, the ensemble cast, which I don't think they do as well nowadays. Maybe it's just nostalgia that it's taking over here. But certainly, you know, as soon as I could, got the um, vid- video cassette. Now, at the time, I was still working in a video store. What a job to have when you're a student. <laughs> and we, we, we had to buy several copies because they would go so, so quickly. Um, but suddenly, uh, I never then moved on to the DVD that was released in 97. So 97 being the, the year where the first DVDs came out. So it must have been one of the first few movies to get that kind of transfer over. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- w- what a movie. And when it comes to marketing, because I think we should talk about, yeah, talk uh, about, about that. marketing. And I, I've been reflecting on it. And, and I think for me, it is actually all about the trailer because what else was there in 92? Yeah. I think the poster is kind of, yeah, sure, why not? The faces of you know Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, and Demi Moore. But actually the trailer, I would recommend people, and we might actually put the link in the show notes, if you watch it and look at the structure and how they share the story just enough, but also to your point, even in the trailer, Tom Cruise may say about three, four words, if that. Mm. Mm. And again, I've already said this in the show today that sometimes the memory cheats. So I can't put my hand on my heart and say this is absolutely what happened. But you know that absolutely and utterly remarkable bit at the start during the credits when you've got this long line of riflemen stood on the parade ground and they sort of do this incredible choreographed way of flipping Mm. their um, rifles onto the shoulders but it goes down the line like a line of dominoes and and the 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 timing is just absolutely incredible and my wife every time we watch this it says how on earth did they synchronize themselves so perfectly to make it look like a fluid movement now i'm pretty sure that initially one of the reasons why this film caught my attention before we went to see it is that somebody, it must have been on TV, maybe it's in in the trailer, I've not watched the trailer for a long time, but that sequence I saw before the film, and that was one of the reasons why I went to see it. Interesting. The trailer, uh, as it stands officially, begins with Jack Nicholson. Very cleverly, almost as a voiceover way. So you have the scenes for a very short while of obviously the scenes you've described. You've got, you know, just sequences that suggest, oh, this is taking place in Washington, oh, this is a courtroom. But you've yeah. got the voice of Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. to kind of start it. And then of course you end with him losing it completely in a courtroom mm-hmm. and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise saying I want the truth. The truth. And therefore, for an audience, you kind of go, well, and I think what's interesting as well about the trailer and the movie, unlike other movies, the audience knows as much as the characters. So we know Mm. what has happened to Santiago. Mm. We know it's terrible. We know that the family is can't get through the walls and, and the kind of the the, the way in which the army protect itself and kind of close ranks. So they try in you know, obviously a, a different way and Demi Moore wants to take on the case. And I think what is interesting about the, the movie, and I think there's an interesting hint about how to tell the story, your point about the content spotlight, which is that the character of Tom Cruise is flawed. In fact, I don't think he's yeah. really, he cares much because that's going to go against what he wants, which is the lifestyle. He doesn't want to work hard at it. And this looks like a case that requires hard work. And you're right, between Demi Moore and Kevin Pollock, you know, the characters, they turn him around. But so the trailer 
is also superbly in sync with a movie, which is rarer because I think sometimes you and I would say, as part of film marketing, oh, yeah, there's a trailer and we move on very quickly because mm-hmm. what is there to say? Well, sometimes the trailer is actually misleading or shows you the best bits. But this trailer, which is why I want to insist on people, you know, for research purposes, watch it because it's superbly edited and tells a story in two and a half minutes, yeah. perfectly matching the two and a half hours of the, of the film. Yeah, absolutely right. It's uh, yeah, we watched it again last night, Pascal, and Did again, you? absolutely edge of the seat stuff. That last twenty minutes where he cross examined where Tom Cruise cross examines Nicholson in the courtroom, it is just absolutely electrifying. Incredible for performances. Well, there you have it. I'm already exhausted just thinking about the film (laughs) and I'm going to be watching it this weekend, of course. But this was episode 39. I promise it was a big one and a good one. And I do believe we met that goal. Roger Edwards, thank you very much for being such a wonderful co-host. Viewers and listeners, thank you for your support. Please leave comments and suggestions in usual places. Until the next one, go out there and make sure your marketing is on right. I was Pascal Fintoni and he was Roger Edwards. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.